right, we're rolling. This might sound weird, but I actually love cemeteries. I grew up two blocks from a cemetery. We used to play hide and seek. We would ride our bikes. We would sn sled ride in the cemetery. And there's something about a cemetery that makes me feel at home. I guess it's because most of my family was buried in that cemetery where I grew up. And when I would go there, I would visit their, their graves. I'd read their names. I would memorize their the dates of their birth, the dates of their death, and it made me feel at home. It's my great-grandparents, grandparents, aunts and uncles. It's a comforting place for me. But I can honestly say I never went to a cemetery expecting to find life. In fact, had I gotten to a cemetery and, and found an open crypt or an open coffin, I wouldn't have felt comforted and felt at home. I would have run away. That's the basis of horror movies, right? How many movies have been made over the, the, the last several decades where you find an open tomb and it's not the beginning of a happy movie, it's the beginning of a horrific movie. Imagine what it must have been like for Mary and the other women to get up early in the morning and to come to a tomb. Jesus wasn't buried in a cemetery like this. It was more of a garden and there was a a rock-hewn tomb, maybe a small hill made of rock that they had carved out this little cave that they had turned into a tomb and his body was laid in there and a stone was put in the front of the entrance to, to block anyone from being able to get in. Mary and the women got there and they discovered that the stone had been moved and the tomb was empty. Mary lingered in the garden and this man came along and she mistook him for the gardener. It was Jesus. She couldn't recognize him. She didn't know it was him. And isn't that odd that she couldn't recognize him? I mean, she had journeyed with him, followed him, traveled with him. She was his disciple in many, many ways, and yet she didn't recognize him. Why? People have made different assertions and, and, and assumptions for, for why she couldn't recognize him, but the truth is, the resurrection of Jesus was more than simply the resurrection of an individual person. The resurrection is about the resurrection of the Christ. You see, the Christ is the light on day one of the creation. The idea in the mind of God to create, to, to, to bring about life. The, the Christ is the Word, the Logos, that, that John 1 speaks about, through whom all things came into being. Apart from Him, not one thing came into being. What came into being through Him was life. The life is the light of all people. That's what we crucified, and that's what was resurrected. Think about it. We didn't just crucify a guy named Jesus. We crucified the source of life. We crucified the source of the creation. We crucified the source of humanity. We crucified, in essence, ourselves. We said to God, we wish we had been never born. We, we wish that you hadn't made us. We don't like life. Life is too hard. Life is too painful. And we don't want to do it your way. And so we took the source, the author of life, 
and crucified him. But when God raised Jesus from the dead, it wasn't just resurrecting a dead guy. It wasn't just resuscitating one person. It was resurrecting the whole of the creation. You see, we in the West, we've, we've missed this point. It's a really important point. But the Eastern Church, the Greek Church, they've understood this. And a lot of their iconography reflects that the resurrection is more than, than simply about one person. There are several images of, of icons where you see Jesus coming out of the tomb and he's pulling with him, pulling out of the depths, pulling out of the graves, Adam and Eve, uh, pulling out uh, that which has died, that which has been destroyed, because life can never be destroyed. That's what God promises us through the resurrection. I love the, the icon where Jesus is with the creation. He's with the fish and, and the trees and the animals because the creation got resurrected through the resurrection of Christ. At Abiding Hope, our Easter proclamation is He is risen. He is risen indeed. We are risen. We are risen indeed. I am risen. I am risen indeed. Because the, the resurrection is about the whole of all things that exist. God assures us that love and life win. God assures us that cancer, divorce, bankruptcy, poverty, war, and death itself, and we can now throw in COVID-19, can never separate us from God's love, ever. As I stand here in this cemetery, I smile. I have tremendous joy because I know all of these people that these stones represent, all of these people are alive in Christ. All of these people dwell in God for all eternity. And you know what? So do you. You dwell in God today, you will dwell in God tomorrow, and you will dwell in God forever. That's what is assured us through the resurrection of Christ. The question is not, will God be faithful? The question is not, do love and life win? The question is, will we live the love and life? Will we live as God's resurrected people today and every day? Our theme throughout this Easter season over the next six weeks of worship, our theme is love unleashed, because that's what resurrection is about. We have the opportunity every single day to be love unleashed. I know we're isolated, I know uh, many of us aren't leaving our, our homes, but we can continue to be love. We can continue to serve, we can continue to be generous. I got a, a letter this week from an elderly member of our congregation. She's not leaving her house. She has somebody else doing her shopping for her. She's staying at home. But what she did is, is she got this box of greeting cards. And every single day she sits down and she hand writes a greeting card, a letter to someone she knows. And, and what she writes is, well, the first thing she writes, I love this, she writes, I'm wearing gloves and a mask, so I believe this card is safe. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? What a gesture of love. And then she writes to them about how much she cares about them and how they matter to her and how she's hoping that they're safe. And she tells them, I'm praying for you. And she puts her phone number in there. And she says, if you need to talk, you call me. I can't leave my house. I can't go out. But... I can talk, so call me if you need anything. What a gesture of life 
and love. And so as we go through this COVID-19, I wanna challenge everyone to think about how you're living each day. How are you expressing life and love by the choices you're making? Are you choosing to live a bit, a, a bit more simply, spending less money so that you can be generous? There's so many around the world that are counting on us. People in Haiti, people in Mexico, people in India, the poor in our greater community. We're, even though Family Promise can't stay at our facility, we're still continuing to support the Family Promise families. These are homeless families that, that are trying to, to, to make a path in life. Right now, they're staying in hotels. And we're giving money to Family Promise to help them to, to survive this COVID-19 and to thrive as we come out of this. We sent a generous check this past week to the Haitian T-Moon Foundation. We had Abiding Hope. Uh, some people would think, well, right now we should be hunkering down. We should be holding back. No, because the poor need us. There are people around the world who don't have the reserves. They don't have the resources that we have, and God is counting on us. Don't, don't hoard groceries, don't hoard toilet paper. Live simply, let this be a time when all of us can grow in how we represent love and life in this world. Let this be an opportunity for us to learn new ways of being, to live more simply, less extravagance, so that when we're done with COVID-19, we're into new habits, we're into new patterns, and we're shining God's light and love into the world. This is an important time for all of us. As I said in a previous sermon, this could be the worst thing that ever happened to us or it could be the greatest moment in the history of the church. And I think it's the greatest moment. We're resurrected people. We're people of life. We come here and we see markers of death, but we know that the dying isn't the end of the story. Just as we know COVID-19 is not the end of the story. God is faithful and we dwell in God today, we dwell in God tomorrow, we dwell in God forever. May we be the heart, hands, and feet of Jesus that, that God has called us to be. May we be the children of God that God has called us to be. May we be children of light, shining light into the darkness today, tomorrow, and forever because God's counting on us. Just as God counted on Peter and, and Mary and, and Salome and, and James and John, God is counting on us to be the light, to be the life, to be the love, so that we and all people may experience real life. God loves you, and I do too. Have a blessed Easter.